But if you've been part of Acts Church for very long, uh, one of the things you might have recognized already is that we are pretty irreligious. And that's kind of funny, right? But, I mean, um, if you've noticed, we really don't have much good to say about religion, and we really don't spend much time talking about religion, and we really don't care to, to make this a religious service. And it sounds weird coming from a pastor, right? You're like, well, wait, what, what's this all about? But um, we, we really, really believe that religion, see, religion is, is it's man's attempt to try to reach God. But the reality is, is that God already did all the work, and he came all the way to earth to reach us. And a lot of times, if you ask people what it is they don't like about Christianity, what it is that they, they can't stand about Christianity, it, it's, it's never about Jesus. It's about all this religion that has really nothing to do with him. And it's all these traditions and man-made rules and things that are put on it. And to go one step further, further the reason why we do it is because we know that Jesus hated religion. When he was here on earth, he took and he talked to those who were the religious people. And he talked about all the added rules they add to their faith and all these different things. And he said, but you guys are missing the entire point. So one of our core values is actually at Acts Church is the term actively irreligious. That's what we actually try to be is pursue ways in which we can remind you guys that it's not about religion at all and that we don't want to be religious, but we want to talk about what it means to have a relationship with God. And, and one of the things that would, would come about is obviously this idea of baptism, which I want to talk to you about. And, and many people would think, well, this is some sort of religious thing. It's some sort of law or some sort of, um, you know, rite of passage, a spiritual rite, but it really has nothing to do with that at all. And what I want to show you this morning is that baptism isn't a religious thing, it's a Jesus thing, and it's a relationship thing. It's really not at all religious. Here's the deal. At Acts Church, I know I've told you this before, but we are just obsessed, obsessed with this guy named Jesus. I mean, we, just, we just can't get enough of him. No matter how many times we talk about him, we talk about him again, and we just can't seem to learn enough about him or know enough about his life, and that's where we base everything that we believe is off this, this man, this, this Savior, this God, Jesus. What I want to show you is a few things about him that when, it, when it comes to baptism, and here's what I want to show you is, is, is first and foremost, why would baptism be important? Well, well, here's a really good one. Jesus did it. Jesus was baptized when he was here on earth. It actually says this in Matthew three thirteen through 15. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. This was the dude who was known as John the Baptist because he was baptizing people. This is, but John tried to talk him out of it. And he says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Jesus went ahead, and he was baptized while he was here on earth. He knew that it was important, and it was part of our faith. And the thing that you might not recognize, or not, I don't know, depending on where you're at in your faith, is what Jesus did when he lived here is he left this example of what we are to follow. For Christians, what that means is that means like, the term when you actually kind of translate it out, it means like little Christ. That's actually what it kind of translates out to from its original text. And what it means is it was people who said they got that name because they said like, these people want to look and be like Christ. Yeah, that's who we are as Christians. We want to look and be like Christ. So the things that he did on earth are the things we say, like, what Jesus did is what we need to do. How Jesus act is how we need to act. What Jesus cared about, we need to care about. So the things that he did on this earth were this example that he laid out. And that's why we, we say it must be important if, if Jesus did it. But not only that, but what's really interesting is Jesus, before he left, he even commanded it. Jesus, you know the story, right? Have you heard it before? You know, he lived, he he did all these things, these healings. Then he was crucified on a cross. He died. 
And he actually resurrected from death and was seen by countless people, hundreds, all different places, disciples, different people, and came back and destroyed death by coming back to this earth. And before he left, he actually commanded it to his disciples. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, this is like the last words he says to the disciples before he leaves. This is what he says. Jesus came and told them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Before Jesus left, when he had these last moments with his disciples, and he told them, what are you going to do? What is your calling? He actually mentioned baptism in it. He says, go and, and basically preach to save them, but then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it must be pretty important. I mean, Jesus literally commanded. He says, when you go and you do, this is your calling. Part of it is that you need to baptize people. Pretty important. And not only that, but we know that it actually worked because if we read, if we read God's word, the very first church obeyed that command that he gave them. There's a story in Acts. I know I'm just kind of reading verses here for you, but I want to show you that it's not coming from, from any religion. It's coming right from the Bible. Acts 2, 38 through 41 is talking about Peter. It says, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Luckily, he's not at Acts Church because we don't do that here. We try to keep it at 30 minutes, but... He continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And verse 41 says this, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. They believed it, and they trusted. When Jesus said you need to baptize people, they made it part of their ritual. That day, literally, the people who believed were baptized that day. They said, I believe. They said, you believe, you know, Jesus, we're going to dunk you, and you're going to join the church today. They believed it, and they continued it. But some would look at like a text like that, and they would say then, so then are you saying, like Peter says, he says this, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Are you saying that you need to be baptized in order to have salvation? Is that what Peter is saying? Is, is he trying to say that it's, it's not like just Jesus, but you need to get dunked underwater before you can be saved? Is that some sort of cleaning that happens? Is it, is it going to prepare us for heaven? But see, that's not really the case at all. Baptism is the first step in obedience. It's not like it's required for salvation. We know this from the Bible. There's verses, tons of verses that talk about that it's only Jesus Christ that brings salvation to our lives. But also there's even a story that, that exemplifies it. We're talking about Jesus Christ, we're talking about him hanging on the cross. And in Luke it talks about the fact that there are two thieves, one on each side of him. And one hurls insults at him, but the other one recognizes that he's the son of God. It says this, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and to us while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied this, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Here's what's interesting. As far as I can remember, this is the only time in the New Testament you will ever find someone that you 100% know made it to heaven. There's people who we see have faith. 
the disciples we see have faith and all this. But we literally know that this man is in heaven right now. Because Jesus told him, I assure you, today you're going to be with me in paradise. We know that this man went into eternity with Jesus. Interestingly enough, he didn't have time for baptism. He was too busy dying on a cross next to Jesus. He didn't have time to get down and get dunked in order to make it to the kingdom. Simply his faith in Jesus where he says, when you get to heaven, he says, I know that you're the son of God. When you get there, remember my name. And Jesus says, don't worry. When you get there, I'll be waiting for you. And that man made it to heaven. We know that. Did not have time for baptism. There's a, an old theologian, his name is Charles Spurgeon. Pretty interesting, some of the quotes that this man wrote. Just these, these awesome, uh, kind of inspiring uh, quotes. And I found this one about him, talking about baptism. He says this, A man who knows that he is saved by believing in Christ does not, when he is baptized, lift his baptism into a saving ordinance. In fact, he's the very best protester against that mistake because he holds that he has no right to be baptized until he is saved. I like that. He says, someone who understands, knows Jesus, and who is baptized, recognizes that that baptism didn't have anything to do with saving him. That baptism was this awesome privilege that he had after he gave his life to Jesus. He says, he's the the best describer of saying, no, it's not the baptism that got me here. It's Jesus who got me here. That's the reason why I can do this. So it's not required. It definitely isn't. We know by, by that story, we know by other things where it talks about the, the grace of God, that you don't need to be baptized in order to get to heaven. But here's the other side of the question. It may not be required, but is it important? Yes. It is extremely important. We already saw. I mean, Jesus did it. He even commanded it to his disciples, and they followed it out, and they did it for the, for the new church. The new church followed it, so it must be important. But, but not just the fact that we saw it with Jesus there, but as we look at, at the Bible in, in, the, in the, the broad view of what it applies to our life, it had even more effect to us. And I, I want to show you this, okay? First and foremost, this, this baptism, it's a symbol of, of Jesus Christ's life and death. It's a picture And it's like retelling the story of what Jesus did. It it says this in Colossians uh, 2, 6 through 17. I want to read you this. I know it's a little bit of a a long uh, chapter, but a lot of times I just like to read these things to you because, man, God's word is so good. You want to actually just hear this. Sometimes you can pull little verses and it's good, but sometimes I just want to read you uh, a small passage so you can understand. So it's it's uh, Colossians 2, 6 through 17. This is what it says. And now, just as you, are accept, as you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow, deep, uh, excuse me, grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Stop real quick there, because some of you guys maybe don't have a lot of Old Testament background. 
God's people, one of their, their religious rites were that all the males had to be circumcised, and it was a depiction that they were different than everyone else. And what he's saying is that when you came to Jesus, you didn't have to go through a physical circumcision, which was something from back in the Old Testament. He says what happens is Jesus did something in your heart. He says you belong to Christ just as back then they did that to show that they belonged to him. He says that Jesus did a spiritual one by cutting away your sinful nature. It continues on in verse 12. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and, when, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. What it's saying is that that baptism is a picture of Christ's death and burial. And when you go under, it is that, it is that death. It is that death of that old man that goes into the water and is left there. And he says that when you come back out, you come back out to the depiction of, of who Jesus was when he was resurrected and changed and new. And he says that's that picture of baptism. And he says you're, you're buried and you're resurrected. Verse 13, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Oh, that's good stuff. Seriously, sometimes I think we, we look at it and, and there can be this weird temptation to think that as Jesus hung there on the cross, it was a defeat. Because it looked so bad, didn't it? I mean, the disciples who sat there and watched Jesus be crucified, it looked so bad. It looked like I, I thought all this was supposed to work out and there he is hanging on the cross to die. And what Jesus says, he says, that was not my biggest defeat. That was my biggest victory. He says, what the enemy had thought was going to be the way that he was going to destroy it all, that he was going to kill the Son of Man, and he was going to take away God here in flesh on earth. He says, he played right into my hand. The point from day one was for me to die on that cross. And the way it says it, I love this. Listen to this again. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Seeing our sin was left there on that cross when he bled and died. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. That's Satan and everything in this world that tries to mess us up. And I love this. It says, he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. He says that victory just, it's it's not only that he beat them, but he shamed them. Basically, he pulled down their pants and spanked their butt and said, you know what? Game's over, you lose. My side wins, they're free. That's what Jesus did. Man, the biggest victory. It says, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy, holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. What's that? Religion. Religion. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And get this, Christ himself is that reality. I love that. It says that Jesus, man, he, he beat it. He did it. On the, on the cross, he, 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 won the, he won the battle. He had the victory. And I love the fact that it even says the fact that then don't, 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 don't let someone pull all this garbage on top of you about religion, about not doing this ceremony and not doing this and not doing this. So instead, it's just Jesus. That's it. But our baptism symbolizes Jesus' life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And it, it's a response to that. But it, it's also this. Our baptism is the testimony of what happened in our own lives. That same story replayed out for us who have given our lives to Jesus. 
that we were once dead and then that Christ came and he gave us new life. It is not necessary, but it's a depiction of what the rest of our lives are going to be like. It's that depiction of salvation, and I hope you guys understand this. That that song we sung again today uh, about Jesus Christ being on the cross, and if you guys just get it, if you guys actually understand it, when I share that verse, like in Colossians, it's talking about his, his death and victory. If you guys haven't heard it before, let me explain it to you again. If you've heard it before and you know it, I pray that it's still just as exciting in your heart because it's amazing. But it says that all of us, because of the original sin of Adam and Eve, we were born into a world that's sinful. And how many people know, obviously, this world is sinful. Messed up things happen all the time. Life is not fair. People who don't deserve to die, die. People who do deserve to die, get away. And that stuff is messed up here on this earth, right? It's sinful. It's not correct. And it says because we're born into this earth, we have sin in us from day one. And that we can't fix it on our own. And it says that the laws of the universe, how they're written, is that at the end of our life, our lives have to pay for that sin. All of the sin that we rack up in this life, all the fun that we have, all the stupid times that we have, all the bad things we do, all the terrible things that we think, that at the end of our lives, our souls have to pay for that debt. All our life, we're racking up debt, accumulating, accumulating. And someday, death comes to collect that bounty. He takes our soul as payment. But God, but God found the loophole, the one way out. And as that song says, it says he sends his only son, God himself poured into man to come and live here on this earth, to experience all that we've experienced, all the pain that you've experienced, all the temptation that you've experienced, all the things that you've, you've known and all the things that you've seen, and to live a perfect life so that when he comes to the end of his life to be killed, Jesus Christ could not die because he had never sinned. And sin is what brings death. So it says that when he went to that cross, he had to carry someone else's sin in order to die. And because he was God, it says that he took everyone's sin. He took all of that sin debt of the people who had lived before him and every bit of it that's in you all the way through to the end of the earth. And he took all of it and he piled it up and basically placed it on his shoulders. And he said, okay, I'll pay for all of this. And it says that with his death, he paid for all of that debt. And now if anyone believes in him and trusts in him, that we accept that gift that he gave us and our souls no longer have to pay for our debt. It's the most miraculous story you're ever going to hear. It's crazy. But you know what's nuts is it makes sense. It actually makes sense. All this religious stuff, you think like, oh, it's too spiritual to understand. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Bad things have to be paid for. Someone has to pay for it. Jesus says, I pay for it. You go free. That's what Jesus says. And he says, what you have to do then is accept that I paid for it. And then, since you're accepting my gift, you need to start living a life that's worthy of me paying for your life. If I'm going to pay for your life, man, let's do something with it. Let's not waste it like everyone else. Let's actually accomplish something with it. Not only that, but there's a million, billion more people out there in the world who have never even heard about me and know the fact that I paid for their sin. And you need to start telling them about it. Because if we accept that, that we can have salvation and that victory that I talked about there, that victory cancels all of our sin, all of our debt. Man, it is amazing. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That he is our bridge 
to eternal life. Man. Baptism is this first step. It's the first step to obedience, and that's what I want you to get. You know that verse where he said that you must be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? Here's what I think it means, okay? Baptism is step one. And it's a depiction of what the rest of your life is going to be. You know why I think we were commanded to get baptized? Because if we're not willing to get baptized, we're not going to make it. Let me just be real with you. He's saying this, this is step one. When you give your life to Jesus, follow by doing something as simple as having the people in the church dunk you under the water to symbolize your new life. And being able to do that is that first step to saying, I'm going to do what God asked me to do in my life. It's that step one, that very first step. I think the last thing is this. Baptism is about going public. It's about going public. It says this in the Bible, in Matthew 10, 32 through 33. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. This is what it's saying. If you believe in me, you can't sweep it under the rug. If you believe and you trust Jesus Christ for your salvation, you can't hide it. And you can't act like it's not there. And you can't try to pull it away. Because let me just be real with you, okay? I don't know if you guys know or not, but I've been dating this girl named Amy for like a year and seven months. But if you talk to me and you ask me, is there anything special about you? you want, tell me about your life. Guess what? She's like number two on my list and I'm going to tell you about. I'm going to talk about that. I do this. I'm going to say I'm dating this girl named Amy and she's amazing. You know why? Because I love her. If I would never tell you, and I'd say, if you say, oh, are you, are you seeing somebody? And I'm like, nah. Uh, no, not, not really. I see her sometimes on Sundays. <laughs> sometimes I, I, go to a, I go to a group sometimes and we talk about her. But no, I don't really. It's obvious that I don't love her, right? I mean, if you're not, if, if you're not even willing to be public, about your relationship. Do you really have any love at all? No. If I was embarrassed to share that, it's a clear depiction that my heart isn't really in love, is it? When you, when you fall in love with somebody, you're happy to tell everyone who wants to hear about it. In fact, you're happy to tell everyone who doesn't want to hear about it. <laughs> and you just keep telling people until they're annoyed, and they're like, yeah, we get it. You're happy. Good for you. I hate you. <laughs> but... That's what I'm saying, is that if you have a relationship with Jesus, it changes you. And it, it costs everything, and it means everything, and you can no longer be quiet about it, and you have to go public with a faith like that. You can't hide it. And so you put it under the rug. You have to shout it out, and you have to let people know. Because here's the reality. If you're not willing to do that, it's not going to work out. That verse, man, that should scare us a little bit. Everyone who acknowledges me here publicly on earth, I'll acknowledge before our Father and everyone who denies me here on earth, I'm going to deny. That's a scary verse. What it's saying is that if you have faith, you need to not be afraid to share it. Because the reality is, is, is this whole weight of, oh, I don't want to be made fun of. I don't want to go to hell. There's <laughs> like a big difference there, right? Or, you know, like I love being friends with my, you know, like people who are my best buddies and my coworkers. Or like I love the Savior who died and gave his life to save my sins. Like what? He's saying this means far more, and you need to be public with it. You need to be able to stand up and say, yes, I am a Christian. Jesus changed my life. 
If that makes me weird, so be it. It's who I am, and I'm not afraid to share it. Jesus traded his life for you. I think we can't forget that. Jesus gave up and sacrificed his life to pay for ours. If we're not even willing to face a little bit of criticism, maybe a little bit of mocking, I don't think we understand it yet. Let me say this. Baptism is not, okay? Baptism is not becoming a member of a church. It's not. It's not joining a religion or denomination. If you get baptized here at Acts Church, you're not getting baptized into the Church of Acts. You're not getting baptized into a denomination. It has nothing to do with that at all. In fact, what it is is it's all about you being baptized into a faith with Jesus. I don't care if you get baptized here or if you go to another church and you get baptized. What I'm saying is that if you know Jesus, you should get baptized. It's also not rejecting what your past may be. And I've, I've talked to people about this a lot of times. But, you know, a lot of people when they're younger, maybe depending on what their faith is, they did like infant baptism, right? They were baptized when they were a little kid. I'll just be really real with you. That's not scriptural at all. Babies were never baptized in the Bible. The only time pa- people were baptized in the Bible were when they were adults and they could decide for themselves. Now, all that being said, baptism is not rejecting or denying what your parents did when they had you christened or baptized when you were a baby. What they were saying is they wanted you to follow God. And getting baptized again today by getting dunked underneath the water is not washing off the baptism you got when you were a child. It's the completion of what your parents wanted from day one, that God would have say in your life. It's not rejecting a church that you might have got baptized by. It's not taking and spitting on something that might have been religion. What it's saying is that what was originally prayed over my life has come true. And I still want to follow Jesus with all my heart. And I'm willing to do baptism like Jesus did baptism to prove it. What it is, our very first step after salvation. Our next big step. That's why we do them, try to do them a couple times a year. Because once you give your life to Jesus, this is one of the things that you should follow. Not in the long run. Not like, I need to get everything figured out. And I need to get everything cleaned up. And then someday I'm going to come and I'm going to get baptized. No. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all together. If you know Jesus Christ, you come and you get baptized out of faith saying, listen, I don't have it all figured out, but Jesus got baptized. I want to get baptized to follow his lead. It's about following Jesus and it's about going public with your faith to say yes to your family, to your friends, to everyone else. I am a Christian. Jesus has saved my life. I'm willing to be made fun of a little bit. If people say that's goofy or that's weird. Some of you still might be thinking, well, should I be baptized? You might be a little wishy-washy. <laughs> That's a fun. Do you guys like that? Thank you. Well, let me share a quick story with you guys just to wrap up today, okay? It's a story in Acts uh, chapter 8. And it starts in, uh, we're actually starting in verse 26. It's this guy named Philip. And he was um, one of, I guess what you kind of call like the, the apostles after the apostles. One of the dudes who was really you know, connected with God and, and moving God's kingdom forward. This is what it says. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Conde, the queen of Ethiopia. It says, the eunuch had gone uh, to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. That's right back here in your Bible if you want to read it. That dude is reading the same book that's right here in your Bible if you want to check it out. Pretty cool, huh? It says, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk alongside uh, the carriage. 
So Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip said, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of the scripture had been re- he had been reading said this. He was led like a sheep. Can you just listen to this with me, okay? This was written thousands of years ago, okay? This dude was reading this, this prophet. And, just, and as I read it, can you, just, can you put together the pieces of the puzzle? He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and a lamb is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. He was the man prophesied all the way back in Isaiah. And he explained, this man that you're reading about just came and died for your sins. It says, as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said this, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. If we have faith, we need to go public. And this verse is really, really interesting, that he comes and he explains the message of Jesus to him. Here's a really interesting thing for you. As the, the, these books got translated, sometimes little things would just get like omitted or changed just by a little bit. And what's cool is that because there's so much contextual criticism, there were so many thousands of copies of the Bible made, all of those little things aren't hidden. They're very obvious. And if you notice when you read this verse, what happens is, is it goes directly from verse 36 to verse 38. Verse 37 between is always a subnote. And it says that it appeared in some text when they translated it, and it didn't appear in others. So they don't put it in unless you want to read it. Because they don't want to, if, if you, you're a, you know, a focus, you say, it wasn't in every text, that's fine. But here's what verse 37 says. Philip said this in response. He says, there's water, why can't I be baptized? And Philip responds, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Whether or not you believe that was supposed to be in it or whether or not someone mistakenly wrote that down or added it in somewhere between, whatever it is, I say the same thing to you this morning. We shouldn't be saying, should I be baptized, should I be this? This is what I'm saying. If you have a relationship with Jesus, your question should be, why shouldn't I be baptized? Why shouldn't I be baptized? I believe in Jesus. Then why shouldn't I do it? There's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And I give you the same response that Philip did. If you believe with all your heart, you may. And if your response is, I know Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then you should do it. Take the step. Go and be baptized. It's really, really simple. We actually have a sign-up back at guest services so you guys can get signed up today. And we're going to do it four weeks from today. We have our three-part series coming up, and you have a month, basically. You can get signed up, and in a month from now, we're going to go to the YMCA, just like that video. And everyone who wants to follow Christ in, in baptism, saying, that I've given my life to Jesus, and now I want to follow that first step, we'd be happy to baptize you and believe with you that that's your very first step for the rest of your life of following Christ. No religion, no games, just obedience as you start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Is it required for salvation? No. Is it important? Yes. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you need to get baptized. Close your eyes with me for a second. I want to do this to finish our service today just really quick. 
If there's someone here today who says, that sounds great, everything about that sounds amazing, but there's a problem, I can't be baptized because I don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. You say, all that makes sense, and it does make perfect sense, but I've never taken the opportunity to give my life to Jesus. Or maybe you say, listen, I mean, a long time ago, I knew who he was, but I haven't known him for a very long time, and I need to give my life to Jesus, and I need to start over. If that's you today, just really simple, all you need to do, raise your hand. No one's looking around. Raise your hand. Catch eyes with me for a second, just so I can see you. I see you. I see you. Anyone else? There's two people already this morning. Anyone else says, listen, I need Jesus. Anyone else? This morning? I see you. Yeah, I see you. Anyone else this morning? Just catch my eyes if there's something else. If you're feeling this tug in your heart, it's just like, yeah, it's me. I just always want to give you guys an opportunity. Okay, awesome. Awesome. So we have three people who are going to pray this morning, and we want to pray with them, okay? Let's all pray with them. Just keep your eyes closed, and we're going to all pray together this prayer. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I am sorry for all of my sin. Please come into my life. Pay for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The rest of you guys, your response is really easy. For you guys who just gave your life to Jesus, I'd encourage you today to go back and sign up for baptism and take that first step right now. It says that you don't have to have it all figured out. If you've given your life to Jesus, you go and you sign up and you get baptized as, a, as the next step. And if you guys say, listen, I've never been baptized, or maybe it was just that I was when I was a little kid and I want to complete that story, then go back and get signed up as well, and we would love to see you get baptized and continue your faith. Thank you guys for being here so much this morning. Go out this week and change the world.